Pastor Esther sound check. Pastor Esther sound check. <coughs> Ken? Testing one, two, three. I can only count to three. Okay, okay. Thanks. You want to test the video first? No, no video. Oh, today no video. Uh, I'll be sharing with you um, the message of peace. Peace from the presence of God. And so I have a question for you. Have you ever felt discouraged before? You know, like when you're dealt with challenges and you had in your mind that your life in this moment should be different. It should be better than what it is. But it seems as if all the good is in only in your past. In your present moment is discouraging. And you're not sure what your path ahead looks like. In those moments when we are faced with challenges, and we're feeling rejected and discouraged, what do you do? This was the situation that the Israelites found themselves in when they were rebuilding the temple of the Lord. They were discouraged, very discouraged, because what was then presently before their eyes could not be compared to what they had once experienced in the past. And so before we go into today's passage, um, let me share a little bit about the context and background of uh, the book of Haggai. So the book of Haggai contains four short messages that Haggai preached to the remnant of Israelites who had returned from exile. And so having returned to their land, the returnees began to rebuild the temple that was destroyed um, during their captivity. But after they have just finished repairing the foundation and they were about to continue to start on the structure, the Israelites faced an opposition from the native people of the land, the Samaritans. And so then this resulted in a postponement of the reconstruction for about 16 years. And during this long period of time, people, the people began to become indifferent. Um, they didn't really want care or see the need to rebuild the temple again. And so the Lord spoke, through, spoke to them through Haggai to challenge them to continue with the temple reconstruction. And so now we have to understand the importance of the temple. The temple is a physical representation of the Lord's holy presence. It is a reminder for the Israelites of their covenantal relationship with the Lord. And so the reconstruction of the temple is important for the Israelites who had just came out from exile. And so after hearing the first message from Haggai, the Israelites were stirred out of their idleness and then they began the reconstruction work again. But soon another challenge arose that caused them to be greatly discouraged. And so today, let us look at the message that the Lord has for them in Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. And we can consider how this message um, tells us that we can have peace even when we are faced with challenges and discouragement in life. Okay, so Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 says, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to all the random of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? And so if you notice, the passage began with a specific date. It says, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month. So what is the significance of this date? 
Firstly, the date tells us that it has been about a month since they restarted the reconstruction of the temple, and then soon after, they faced another challenge. But not only that, the seventh month um, is also known as the month of Tishri, which is around September to October now. That month is a month of feasts for the Israelites. Um, there will be the Feast of Trumpets on the first day, the Day of Atonement on the 10th, and then the Feast of Tabernacles that lasts from the 15th day all through to the 21st day of the month. And so, the 21st day of the seventh month, that day, was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a feast to commemorate um, Israel's deliverance from Egypt, to give thanks to God for His provision and protection for Israel during the 40 years of wandering. Um, and it was also to give thanks to God for His bountiful harvest. And so throughout um, the seven days, there were a number of practices and celebrations that accompanied the feast. And it was also a time of joyous celebration. And the feast ends when, you know, with all the people gathered together uh, for, a joy for a celebrations festival. But just imagine what that day was like for the Israelites. It would not have been a joy joyful occasion because their crops were destroyed by drought. The temple was not completed, which was a grim reminder of the destruction they suffered um, during the Babylonian invasion. And also perhaps the occasion then reminded them of their past, the past when they were a great host of people, but now only a remnant. And you know what's more, to pour salt on wound, um, the seventh month was also the anniversary of the dedication of the first temple that was built under Solomon's leadership. And so the Lord had three questions for the Israelites. Who is left among you who saw this house, this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? And so certainly the, the people that Haggai was speaking to, some of them were the older people who had seen the first temple in, in all its glory and splendor. You know, the entire First Kings chapter 6 speaks about how magnificently the first temple was built. As we can see in the picture here, you know, Solomon covered the insides of the temple with pure gold and he extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was also overlaid with gold. And he also overlaid with gold the altar that, um, that belonged to the inner sanctuary. And so imagine what was it like for the people who knew what the first temple was like and now before their eyes was this inferior structure of a second temple. Um, in Ezra, Ezra chapter 3, verses 12 to 13, gives us an insight. And it says, But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, all men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. So in the midst of the rejoicing, as the foundation of the second temple was laid, there was this deep sorrow, loud weeping of those who remembered the first temple. And the three questions that the Lord asked has forced them to admit that indeed, the temple that was before their eyes is not as grand as the former one. And so with that supposedly, in that supposed joyous occasion that they were in, um, and remembering the anniversary of the first temple dedication, and what they see before their eyes, the Israelites were dejected. They were discouraged. They knew of a better time, 
and they long for something better than what was before their eyes. What they see, that contrast, is too huge. So, church, have you had such an experience before? You know, when you find yourself at a point in your life when the past seems better than the present, and you wonder how good can the future then be? Or perhaps you are going through it now. And that sense of discouragement is overwhelming. And it's very hard to move forward. I remember this feeling of discouragement and frustration when I returned to Singapore from Australia after two years of uni education. Now I look back and I saw the life that I had during that two years in Australia. It was fun, it was carefree. I was really happy over there. Because to me, Australia held that potential for a new job, the potential for a different life, new adventure. I was enjoying the supposed independence and freedom that I had. But when I came back to Singapore, I felt lost. I had no job. And I felt distant from my friends. It felt like no one, not even my family, could understand what I was going through. And so I asked God, I said, I know you called me to return back to Singapore. And as much as I struggled with obeying, I did. I came back. But tell me then, how is this life now better than the one that I had in Australia? You know, like the older men who were recorded in the book of Ezra, they wept over their could have been. I too wept over my past experience, over what I thought was a loss of a could have been of what I thought was a better life experience. And so perhaps you have such experiences too. It might come up, it might occur to you when you know, you're faced with a sudden challenge or obstacle in your journey. Or perhaps when you see someone else's achievements and then you look at yourself and all you can see is lack. Or like the Israelites, when an anniversary, a celebratory occasion comes along and then you're reminded of the good old days that are seemingly long gone. When our eyes and hearts are downcast, when our spirit is discouraged, when all we can see is the past, what do we do? You see, the Lord knows. The Lord knows His people. He knows what they are feeling. He knows what they are going through. Especially on that day when it's supposed to be a Thanksgiving celebration. And so that day, in the midst of their sorrow, in the midst of their discouragement, the Lord has a word of encouragement for His people. Because you see, what lies ahead for the Israelites is tough. It was tough. Rebuilding the temple is no easy job. Especially so for them when they were lacking in manpower and resources. And then one might think that, you know, since they're already facing such a huge discouragement, the Lord will perhaps encourage them by saying, you know, here you go, here, take, here are all the resources you need right now to restore the temple to, back to its former glory. Isn't that, perhaps that's what we wish for sometimes as well when we are faced with uh, troubles. We wish that we have an answer or a solution immediately. But that was not what the Lord said. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, the Lord said, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. 
In the midst of their discouragement and sorrow, the Lord said to them repeatedly, Be strong, be strong, be strong, and walk. That was the same charge that David gave to his son Solomon when Solomon was tasked to build the first temple. David said to Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do it. You know, in fact, the words here, be strong and work, was a command from the Lord. It wasn't a suggestion. And so despite the discouragement and sorrow that they have, God commanded them to be strong and work. But you know, this was not a heartless command from God. Because His command is rooted in His promise to His people. And what was His promise? The Lord said, work for I am with you. According to the covenant that I made with you, when you came out of Egypt. The Lord promised them His presence. He is with them in their discouragement and sorrows. He is saying to them that they can be strong and continue to work despite what they see or felt because He is with them. And the Lord further assures them of His promise by reminding them of the covenant He had made with them since their exodus from Egypt. And so if we were to you know, look back um, to when the Israelites first came out from Egypt. You know, that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, that was tough times. And in their wandering, they could barely see what the promised land looks like, that better life that God was going to lead them to. And even led them to think that, you know, perhaps going back to the old life that they had in Egypt was much better than continuing to wander in the wilderness till they reached the promised land. But this was the same promise that the Lord made with Joshua when Joshua was called to lead the people into the promised land. In Joshua 1, 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. They had experienced God's presence and faithfulness. He did deliver what He had promised them. He was with His people when He brought them out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land. He was with them in their exile. And what's more, right now, when he brought them out of the exile. And you know what was a greater assurance and comfort? The Lord says, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. What does that mean? It means that God has never left them. He remains among them through it all. You know, friends, often when we are faced with troubles, challenges, when we find ourselves in undesirable situations, Sometimes when we're in the middle of all of this, it's very hard to see what is God doing. We wonder where is He? And sometimes we might even think that, you know, God is, perhaps God is not with us anymore. Because if He is, then why am I in such a situation? Why am I facing this situation now? I was in one of my lower points in life last year when I was feeling quite lost in my journey with the Lord. I became very doubtful about myself. I wasn't quite sure if I was doing God proud in my ministry to Him. I wasn't sure if I was doing enough, good enough. Um, and I wish my heart was on fire like how it was when I first started. But my heart had become tired. And I really didn't like, really didn't like having a tired heart. I wonder what the Lord had in store for me. Because I, can't, I couldn't see, I really couldn't see. And then I wonder, where is God? What is He doing? And I wonder if He could even hear me. 
And so at the beginning of the year, I actually went away for a short silent retreat. And at the retreat center, there was this prayer labyrinth that the spiritual director encouraged me to try out, to pray and to talk to God as I walk along the path. And along the labyrinth path, um, at times it felt like I was nearing the center of the labyrinth. At times the path would then lead me away from the center. Now I had no idea what the next turn would lead me to. But all I could do then was to just continue to take that next step forward, one after another. And so as I walked and I prayed and I poured to God, two verses came to mind. The first one was from Psalm 16, verses 5 to 6. And it says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So I was reminded then that though I was feeling lost, I was tired in my journey, and I couldn't see how the path ahead plays out. But the path that the Lord called me to walk on is still pleasant in His eyes. He defines what is good and pleasant for me, even if I can't see it then then. And the next verse that I was reminded of was from Ecclesiastes verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 11, verse 11. And it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I was reminded to trust in God, that even though I can't see the whole picture that He has for me at that moment, but I can trust in Him and I can continue forward. And so when I finally reached the center of the labyrinth and I look up from the path, then in front of me was the cross. And so when I walked there and I saw the cross, I stood still. And in that moment, I remember this overwhelming sense of peace. You know, many times during that period, I, I asked God, where is he? Where was he? And then, then it felt like God was telling me, I am here. I have always been here with you. Church, you know, sometimes perhaps our life is like walking in a labyrinth. We only know the steps we have taken in the past. We have no idea where the next turn will lead us to. But the Lord did not leave us guessing. He told us to be strong and to continue to work, to continue one step after another. And in every step that we take, we can have peace because God is with us even if we can't see or feel Him, even when we find ourselves in situations that we do not wish to be in. Because peace is not the absence of troubles. Peace is the presence of God. Peace is more than just a feeling because feelings come and go. But pre peace is the pe presence of God. It comes with trusting in Him, remembering His promises. Peace is firmly rooted in who God is. And we know that He is faithful. He keeps His word. He is our covenantal God. And so even when we are discouraged, even when we are facing challenges, we can still have peace. Because God is with us in our every moment, good or bad. His presence never goes away. And not only can we have peace in knowing that God is with us now, we can have that peace that comes from the promised hope that He will return again one day in full glory, and establish everlasting peace. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 to 9, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, 
Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. And so the Lord spoke about what he was going to do. He will shake all creation, all nations, and fill the temple with glory, glory that is greater than the former temple's glory, and he will bring, bring peace. This is a picture of a glorious future. It speaks of God's power, magnificence, and sovereignty over everything. This is the future that the Israelites can behold. This is the comfort and encouragement and hope that the remnant Israelites can have in Christ. And so thus they can be at peace, even if the temple before their eyes is far less glorious than what they wanted. Because the Lord has already told them what he was going to do. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 is a promise of the coming of Christ, both his first coming and also his second coming. And the true glory is the presence of Jesus Christ, the great King, who first came to earth more than 2,000 years ago. In Luke chapter 1, verses 32 to 33, it announced the first coming of Christ, who would come to reign and rule forever. And it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so indeed, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the true glory, has already come to be with his people. He's the true temple of God because he's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the fulfillment of God's covenant to dwell with his people. And then towards the end of chapter, Luke chapter 1, in verses 78 to 79, well, this part um, speaks about the role of Zechariah's son, John the Baptist, but it also talks about Jesus Christ because John the Baptist was the one preparing the way for the Lord. And so these two verses speaks about um, the coming of Christ and what his coming brings. And it says here, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Out of God's tender mercy, he sent his son Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, to come down to earth to save us, to bring us out of darkness. He come, he came and he brought peace and light to the world. Peace that the world can never give. And so for us as new covenant believers, we are living in the already but not yet. We live in between the first coming and second coming of Christ. And so today, as we await the return of Christ, we will still meet with challenges. We will still face troubles. We will still find ourselves in situations whereby the past seems better than the present. But right now, we also have this peace of God with us as we go through life. As Jesus had promised in John chapter 14, verses 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Christ has already given us his peace, peace that is beyond understanding, peace that the world can never give. 
And then he further assures in John um, 16, verse 33, the Lord says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the promise of the Lord. And this is the assurance that we can have now as we await his second coming. This is why we can take heart, we can be strong, and we can continue to work, even when we're discouraged, even when we face with challenges, troubles, tribulations, because we have the peace that comes from the presence of God. And we know our covenantal God, Jesus Christ, who has overcome the world, will return one day. And when he returns, he shall establish everlasting peace forevermore. And so church, in this Advent season, as we give thanks for the first coming of Jesus Christ, and as we await his second coming, may we be encouraged to look to him and remember the promise of his presence whenever we are faced with challenges, whenever we are discouraged by our present circumstances. Because the peace is not the absence of troubles, but the presence of God. May we be encouraged to be strong, to work, to continue to live our lives for him, to do what he has called us to do, even when we find ourselves in situations whereby the past seems better than the present. Because God is with us now and forevermore. And in this Advent season, and in all our life journey as we follow after Christ, may his peace rule in our hearts. Because our covenantal God who first came down to earth with us and dwells in each of us who believes in him is always with us in our every moment, all the good and bad. And he who is faithful and true has promised that he will return one day to establish everlasting peace. This is the hope we have in Christ that gives us the peace today. Let us take a moment to, um, to ponder upon what the Lord is speaking to you today. Are you facing a situation that perhaps you're struggling to have peace? May we look to Christ and remember that He's with us. May we look to Christ to know that we have this hope in Him that allows us to have the peace to continue our journey forward. Let us pray. And so, Father Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, first and foremost, we give you thanks for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die on a cross for us, to grant us salvation, to bring light and peace into the world, for us to experience your presence in such a tangible way. And so, Lord, I pray for us as we continue to live our lives on earth, that even when we find ourselves in situations that we do not wish for, when we are facing with challenges and troubles, Lord, I pray that we do not look at our situation only, but we look towards you, the Prince of Peace, the true hope that has already come and will come again. And so, Lord, may your peace rule in our hearts as we continue this journey with you. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Church, shall we stand and sing this in, re- in response?